All right, good morning, TBC family and friends. Yes, glad you're with us. Also want to say hello to those engaged with us online. If you have your scriptures, and I hope you do, let's turn together to Acts chapter 12. That's where we'll be this morning. If you're just joining us for the first time, we've been walking through the book of Acts chapter by chapter, and today we come to chapter 12. So again, let's turn into God's Word, however you do that. If you have the YouVersion app and you use that, you'll find some additional verses that I won't have time to address, so you'll have those as well. But I know a lot of us are in here, we're sitting next to our spouse, and I'm not trying to cause a fight, I promise. I'm just curious, are there any, anybody in here a backseat driver? Um, and, and again, I'm not trying to get you and your spouse upset with each other. I just saw somebody put their arm around their spouse. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but not trying to start a fight. Now, I'll be honest, I have a tendency a little bit to be a backseat driver because my wife, unfortunately, she gets car sick. If she sits in the back seat or the front seat, especially when I'm driving, she'll get sick. I don't understand that. But because of that, I always have to sit in the passenger seat. And I'll have a tendency to say, hey, do you see the brake lights? Or, you know, be careful. So I'll be honest, I have a tendency to be a little bit of a backseat driver. You know, the person that's in the back seat telling you where to turn, slow down, speed up. I have a little bit of that in me. And so those who have a reputation of being a backseat driver are those who like to control things that are supposed to be controlled by somebody else. So maybe we're all a little bit like a backseat driver in some sense, but definitely in Acts chapter 12, we find a backseat driver who thinks he's in ultimate control. And I want to share it with you. Acts chapter 12 we're going to spend our time together in just these few verses. And I'm going to read them all, and then we'll come back and kind of walk through them verse by verse. Beginning of verse 20. It says, now he. Now he is Herod Agrippa. And we'll learn more about him in just a minute. Now Herod Agrippa was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And with one mind, they came to him, and having won over Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they were asking for peace because their country was supported with grain from the king's country. And on an appointed day, after putting on his royal apparel, Herod took his seat on the rostrum and began delivering an address to them. And the people repeatedly cried out, the voice of a God and not of a man, and immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give God the glory. And I'll be honest, this is a little bit gross, this next part. And he was eaten by worms and died. So hopefully you've already had breakfast. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. Amen. This, my friends, is an account of the rise and fall of Herod Agrippa. And I want to play just a game with you just for a minute. Did you know that Herod Agrippa, his grandfather is Herod the Great. Now Herod the Great was king when Jesus was born. And to try and kill Jesus, Herod the Great killed all the baby boys in Bethlehem and the surrounding area that were two years old and younger. Herod Agrippa, that's his granddad. And Herod Agrippa, 
He was kind of a playboy, to be honest. He, he was kind of the black sheep of the family. He splurged and, and wasted all of his money. At one point, he found himself in prison. So he was kind of this black sheep of the Herodian family. But because he was a people pleaser, he kind of made friends with some of the Roman emperors. And when they came in charge, they made him king over the area that pretty much his grandfather had controlled. And lastly, did you know that Herod Agrippa was a persecutor of the church? If you go and you read Acts chapter 12, you'll see that he went and he, he, grabbed, he, uh, he grabbed James, the brother of John, one of the apostles. And it says he had him killed by the sword. And that wasn't enough. And he saw how killing James made him popular with the Jews. And so he went after Peter. And so he goes after Peter. He has Peter arrested, was most likely going to kill Peter with the sword. But in a miraculous event, God rescues Peter. And this made King Agrippa furious. So much so that the guards who were guarding Peter, when he miraculously escaped, he had them all killed as well. So he was a little bit ruthless. And now we read in Acts chapter 12, he's angry again. You see, you see an area on this map just north of Caesarea, which is where Herod Agrippa is and our story just north, there's a couple of territories that are kind of independent, Tyre and Sidon. And we don't know, but King Agrippa was extremely angry with the people in Tyre and Sidon. And this was a big deal because their food, a portion of their food came from Herod Agrippa. And so they needed their grain. And so they went to Herod Agrippa, one of his employees, and they most likely bribed him. His name was Blastus. And they earned favor and they were able to stand in front of the king and trying to please him. And that's where we read in the story. And that's where we find out where we are. But in verse 21, it says on an appointed day. And so it is the appointed day. There is King Agrippa and he is ready to meet with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And it's a festival, it's a holiday, it's a celebration. And he's there, they're wanting to make peace, they're wanting to get his favor. And it says in verse 21, on an appointed day, after putting on his royal apparel, after putting on his royal apparel, and I love this because many people think that there is history and then there is the Bible. But the Bible and history go together. And one of the ways we know it goes together is because of a first century Jewish historian named Josephus. And Josephus records this same story. And Josephus says that on this day, King Agrippa came into the theater and his apparel was made of silver. Now there's one thing to look nice, but when you start wearing something made out of silver, that's a little maybe over the top. But that's exactly what Josephus says in his account of this story. The 
King Agrippa comes into the arena, the theater, with this robe, with this apparel that's made of silver. And it was early in the morning. And so the sun came up and the sun hit his robe made of silver and it just illuminated the entire theater. And the people were all struck. And so there he is in his royal apparel. But it says he also takes his seat, scripture says, on the rostrum verse 21, and began delivering an address to them. The rostrum was his throne. It was actually a place of judgment where a king would sit to pronounce judgment on others. And so here he is in his fancy apparel, and we don't really have thrones today. Maybe your dad had a chair that he sat in and maybe no one else sat in, and that was dad's chair. Anybody? You, th- th- that's what, yeah, fingers pointing, yes. So we, we th- this, he had a chair. He had this throne. And to give you maybe an idea of what it maybe looked like, we can go and look in the Old Testament and look at Solomon's th- throne. In 1 Kings, we read of a description of Solomon's throne, and it helps maybe, helps us maybe visualize King Herod in his apparel sitting on his throne. Moreover, the king made a large throne of ivory. Ivory is not enough. And so they overlaid it with fine gold. There were six steps to the throne. And so imagine you've got these steps because elevation means authority, means power, means might. It means glory. And then from there, it doesn't stop. And around top to the throne, it's back and armrest on each side of the seat and the two lines standing beside the armrest. So this is a throne. And so here's Herod Agrippa with his appearance and his action. He is letting people know he's in control and the people are all struck. They are all struck. Look at what verse 22 says, the people repeatedly cried out the voice of a God and not of a man. The voice of a God, they chanted, not of man. And again, Josephus records this exact story. And here is Josephus' account of this. This is what Josephus says the people were saying. Be thou merciful to us. For although we have hitherto reverenced thee only as a man, yet shall we henceforth own thee as superior to mortal nature. He is God, they shouted and declared. As Herod sit on his throne in his royal attire. As I think about that picture and that scene and what he's wearing and his appearance and his actions, I can't think of, can't help but think about Ron Burgundy in the movie Anchorman. I'm kind of a big deal. Herod thinks he's kind of a big deal. But if you know the Old Testament and you know what Isaiah 42 verse 8 reads, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory 
to another. And the story goes like this. And immediately, and immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and died. Here we have the rise and fall of King Herod Agrippa. A backseat driver, I'm kind of a big deal, arrogant, I'm in control individual who came to his downfall. As people declared back to him, you are God. And he's destroyed. And this is what the scriptures tell us. In Proverbs 16, verse 5, Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. This is the rise and fall of King Herod. Now, if you were with us just a few weeks ago, we read of another story, and I just want to help us kind of compare and contrast these two stories. Today's story, there's a man that's trying to dress like he's in control with his silver robe and his throne, receiving praise that he is God, and he's struck down. I want you to compare that story to the story we read in Acts chapter 10. And for those who don't remember, this is a story of Peter. Now, Peter, if, if someone could declare, I'm, I'm kind of a big deal, it maybe could have been Peter. I mean, he could heal people and perform miracles. Matter of fact, people would just try to get in his shadow to get healed. And if you remember the story, Peter walks into a man's house and he walks into this man's house and his name is Cornelius. And Cornelius says he falls down and Peter's response is, get up, st stand up. And he says, I am just a man. I am just a man. So compare and contrast the two stories from today and a couple of weeks ago. There is a difference between Peter and King Herod Agrippa. Peter knows he's not the maker. And so maybe an application point for all of us is like Peter, let us be quick to give credit to our maker. Let us be quick to, to give credit to our maker, whether it's something at work, whether it's something at school, whether it's a sport we play, whether it's a, a project that we're overseeing. Let us be quick to give credit to our maker. And what does that look like for all of us? Imagine if the, the people of Trinity Bible Church lived with this mentality of being quick to make much of and give credit to our maker because that is exactly what Peter did. But if I had to pick a difference between the two men and the two stories, I would pick these two words, and the two words are this, playing God. If I had to summarize or compare the difference between these two men, I would use the phrase playing God. You know, a few weeks ago, we had a costume party at our house or a Halloween party or Reformation party, whatever you want to call it. 
and we had some folks from our connection group come over and people like coming to our neighborhood because we have this gentleman around the corner from us that gives out like king size candy bars. And so kids love it. And so several will come in our neighborhood. And so our connection comes over and my daughter dressed up like Dolly Parton and my wife dressed up like June Carter and I dressed up as Johnny Cash. Any Johnny Cash fans? Yes, yes. Now, imagine I pretended I was Johnny Cash beyond Halloween. Imagine I dressed like him and imagine I tried to talk like him and imagine I tried to sing like him. Imagine I was playing Johnny Cash all the time. Like I thought, I thought I was really him. That I was, I wasn't just pretending. Like I thought I was Johnny Cash. That would be silly. That would be silly. And I would also, I I couldn't live to those expectations because I'm not Johnny Cash. I can't sing like Johnny Cash. But if I'm playing Johnny Cash, I'm trying to pretend to him, to be him, I'm setting an expectation that I'm unable to meet. And this is what happens when we try to play God like Herod. When we try to play God, we set expectations that we are unable to meet. And the scripture says we deceive ourselves. Galatians 6, 3 says, For if anyone thinks he is something... When he is nothing, he deceives himself. And this is the story of King Herod Agrippa. He thought he was something, but he was nothing. And he deceived himself and he died. He died. But if you pay attention to the story, yes, he plays the part. He puts on the royal apparel. He sits on the throne. But notice the crowd are also playing. They declared him, you are God. And when I think about the story and I think about the crowd, I think about our culture because our culture tries to tell us with advertisements that you are God. You are God. You can determine your own destiny. Whatever you think matters, just be you. You are central. And so just as the crowd is crying out to hear that you are God. Our culture is telling us you are God. Do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy. Life is about you. And if we try to play God, we will set expectations for ourselves that we cannot meet and we will deceive ourselves. And this is exactly what happened to Herod. He tried to play God. He tried to play God. He was reading his own press clips and he thought he was God. So let us be careful at the messages and advertisements and commercials that we read and we see because if we're not careful, we'll allow ourselves to be deceived. This idea of playing God, someone has described it as being the fastest growing religion today. The fastest growing religion. J.I. Packer says this 
about playing God, exalting oneself against the creator, withholding the homage due to him and putting oneself in his place as the ultimate standard of reference in all of life's decisions, playing God. I think that's the difference between these two men. And so let us be careful not to play God, but to give God glory, to make much of him, to be quick to give him the credit he has earned. And Luke, again, is gonna change gears on us really fast. So here's this story. It, it began with King Herod in charge and killing people who were, who were trying to advance the church. And then it ends with him being killed. And notice what Luke tells us in verse 24. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. This is the third time in the book of Acts where we read a summary of how God's word continued to advance. It continued to advance continued to advance. And I want to show you one other little nugget before we take Lord's Supper together. I just want to show you this. So I want to, I want to kind of peek ahead if, if, if we can. Go to the next chapter. If you're, if you're falling low, go to chapter 13. I, want, I just want to show you something about how God's word advances and how God's word cannot be stopped. In Acts chapter 13, if you look with me at verse 1, Pastor Sherm talked about the church in Antioch last week. And so now Luke turns in, in chapter 13 and he talks about, he says, now there were at Antioch in the church, that was their prophets and teachers. And I want you to pay close attention to some of these leaders of the church. Barnabas, we've heard about him, and Simeon, who is called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene. And then look at this gentleman's name, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Herod the Tetrarch? Herod the Tetrarch? This is Herod Antipas. He, he's part of King Herod. He's the uncle to Herod Agrippa. And you see what is happening here? The word of God has made it into the king's palace and it began to grow and multiply. There was a man, Menaean, who somehow somebody shared God's word with him. And that word was planted in his heart and he became a leader in the early church. See, God's word spreads to unlikely places. It will not be stopped. It will not be stopped. Jesus said, I will that's a promise. I will build my church. Not Herod the Great, not Herod Agrippa can stop the work of God and his church. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, I think one of the things I think too about Herod is, I think Herod forgot there was another throne. You know, he, he thought he was this backseat driver, kind of in control, but he didn't know that there's somebody else who's ultimately in control. Like there's a higher seat, there's a higher throne. And as we prepare to take Lord's Supper, I wanna share it with you. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, it says, looking only at Jesus, 
Maybe your scripture says, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the originator and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There is a higher throne. And on that throne sits our God. And at his right hand sits Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And unfortunately, Herod did not realize there's a greater and higher throne and it belongs to our Lord and he will not share his glory with another.